listening to the Animal Farm Radio Show on We the People Radio Network. Hey, you're listening to Ben, Tony, and Pyatt on Animal Farm Radio Show. Hey, you touch that dial, I'll break your f***ing head. Matrix.com. Alan Watt is a long-term researcher into the positive forces behind major changes in historical development. His beliefs are that of a Renaissance man with a background in three professions, plus having various books published under various names on religious, philosophy, and poetry. For much of his life, he was heavily involved in the music industry as a song singer, songwriter, performer, and was involved in folk music, blues, pop rock, and even classical. Also known for his session guitar work, he has played with some of the most well-known artists and groups. Born in Scotland, he watched the subtleties of politics and media as he guided the population of the UK covertly into a, a European uh, amalgamation. He has been warning the North American people for some time uh, now um, that the same process of amalgamation is being carried out with historical documentation. He shows how cultures are created and altered by those in control, always to lead the people like sheep into the next pasture. And we are pleased to have him on the Animal Farm tonight. Thanks for coming on the show, Alan. It's a pleasure to be on. We're not worthy. <laughs> All right, so, Alan, one of the reasons that uh, I wanted to get you on the show is, uh, number one, you're brilliant. You're smarter than uh, a lot of people that I've listened to in, in terms of the understanding the New World Order and the way it works. So I really wanted to give uh, people almost a history lesson and, and wanted to start, up, start off with something basic to to really give people the scope of, of what it's all about. So if you could, could you just please explain what is the New World Order? The New World Order, although it's not really, it's called the New World Order, it's an old, old idea of having a controlled and planned world society uh, that really is a merger of two systems, and that was the Soviet system and the capitalist system but out of it has to come an efficient, planned society. In other words, eventually down the road, everyone who is born will be born only if there's a, a function for them to serve. And that's the key word, is to serve the world state. And people have been categorized all through their lives, from school onwards, for generation after generation, into a eugenics program, where the elite have long ago decided on... Uh, who are the junk genes, meaning the commoners at the bottom? Will there be a future for them? Well, they don't need them, so we're going to eradicate them uh, under the guise of overpopulation. And interestingly enough, because they know that most people live their whole lives without an original thought, they really don't. Uh, thoughts are downloaded into them, opinions are given to them, and they adopt opinions. They must have the consent of the public for every part of this agenda, including down the road, very, very soon, in fact, uh, voluntary um, sterilization in order to save poor old Mother Earth, you see, and bring the population down. And when you look at what's been taught scientifically, and it's a scientific socialism, you might say, what's been taught even in kindergarten onwards today, they're gearing them up towards this world where you'll sacrifice yourself, if need be, for Mother Earth. It's a, a religion of sorts that 
uses all of the techniques of religion because religion has uh, worked so well in the past. Uh, Michael Gorbachev, who is part of this uh, structure for a global society, uh, said that we are creating a new world religion and it will be based on a form of earth worship. By that, he, he meant that you will literally live to serve Mother Earth. And of course, Mother Earth has a new priesthood. There's always a priesthood, and you find it's the experts, the scientific society, who already have declared that they're just too superior for the rest of us to be around, and they have the natural right. They're the natural aristocracies, they call themselves. But in reality, uh, all scientists who depend on grants and funding from the wealthy, the already established wealthy elite, they're just the lackeys of those at the top. So at the top of this system, you have very old families who've held on and acquired more and more power down through many centuries, and they've declared that they're at the top of the Darwinian tree, and beneath them you have the scientific society that makes the weapons for them, including weapons that eventually will control the mind. And they plan to run the whole world, as I say, in a planned, not just planned parenthood society, a planned society for every country which will be subservient to a global government. And that's it in a nutshell, really. Um, it sounds rather blithe and quick, but that's really what it is. And you find the, the embryos of this going as far back as the 1500s in the writings of people like John Dee and Francis Bacon of London, England. They already so envisioned Alan, you're basically yeah. saying that there's an other, basically a centralization of a certain set of ideological beliefs in terms of uh, centralizing the economic systems, the religious systems, the social systems, and yeah, you're saying everything. that this started a very, very long time ago? Yeah. Wow. Now, how long ago, and, and who, who was it that started it, and what is the, the chain that brings it into today's society? Well, what we have really are... It is one main start, one main start, and that, that was whenever, whenever, and whoever uh, first weighed out gold and said this is going to be the most precious thing on earth, and people are going to use this instead of bartering with each other. That was the first uh, introduction of a system which took over everything else. Because once you accept money, whether it's weighed or minted or whatever, uh, you just put yourself out the picture as deciding the value of something that you want to trade. The third man, the middle man, is the man who now controls you in the system, and then your labor is taxed back from you because you use this money. You can also employ armies to go off and conquer people and have standing armies. You would never keep an army together without pay. So money really was the key, but we find it was fairly static in its, the way it worked with oligarchical families for thousands of years up until the Middle Ages in Queen Elizabeth I's court. And in that court, also in Germany at the same time, the Rosicrucian Society broke out openly and talked about bringing in a, a new system, a new world system. And John Dee and Bacon and others around Queen Elizabeth I's court were open Rosicrucians. And they talked, and they, co they coined the term a British Empire, a British Empire, they used the Y instead of an I, uh, would, would be formed, created, and would become an empire of the world. It could change its names, it could even change its location, its central location, down through time. 
But the whole idea in the 1500s was to create a, an empire where vast amounts of people and populations would serve the same type of system which is today called democracy. And that in itself is a sham because we've never had any democracy. We have simply something that stops us from having revolutions every four or five years, and that's voting. Uh, so John D. coined the term, even coined the term free trade, because everybody who joined this, this world system would be given a form of free trade, and those who complied and adopted the same governmental system would be given uh, a title, the title being uh, most favored nation status. And that's the very title we just gave recently, a few years ago, to China. So that was coined 500 years ago by people in London. So we're simply living through a long, long-term strategy. And some people in the 1700s, again, various Masonic institutions, um, I'm sure some of them had some other idea of it. Not everybody, in, and even in masonry, uh, knows what's really going on. And they were given idealistic uh, projections of the future. And there's no doubt about it, the Masonic lodges led rebellions in the United States and in, in France. And they, they hoped to bring in this, this new better type world, at least at the bottom levels. But I'm sure the boys at the top knew better. We find friend, uh, Benjamin Franklin saying that the, the federation of these United States will be hopefully the beginning of a federated world system, a world government. And it'll be run eventually by a, a council of 12 wise men. That's what he said in his own diaries. It's amazing how far back it goes, Alan, when you look at people talking about the New World Order. You know, some people think it's only as far back as maybe the 50s or 60s, but it's obviously way, way back in the day. And uh, first of all, folks, Alan Watt, we're talking to Alan Watt, uh, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Alan, you have three books, you have DVDs. Um, would you mind taking phone calls tonight? Because we're going to have a lot of people probably call in to want to talk to you. Sure, yeah. All right, great stuff. We have a, uh, so many questions, Alan. When I get back, you know, we have a break coming up. When we get back... I want to know what the you know what the best way you find to talk to people because obviously you have such a wealth of information and knowledge. Most people can't comprehend what you just said at all. It will just bounce right out of their their brain. So when we get back, I want to ask you a couple questions about maybe the most effective ways to kind of get people involved to just start thinking about this. So uh, folks, stay tuned. Animalfarmshow.com. We have Alan Watt on the line. Much more to come. Your phone calls and more interviews. Stay tuned. Oh no, we're all doomed. Great host, great topics, free speech at its best. This is We the People Radio Network. you're not hallucinating you are listening to the animal farm radio show it's really happening right now we are speaking with alan watts his website is cutting through the matrix.com he's got three books cutting through one two and three he's got dvds for sale folks check it out uh alan before we get back to business here it seems though you're actually also an accomplished black belt because on the site here it's the, one of the greatest logos I've ever seen in my life. I have like a picture one, of you yeah. here. <laughs> I have a picture of you doing a like a Bruce Lee style jump kick, maybe more like a Chuck Norris style, kicking uh, the yeah. top of the pyramid off, which is it's brilliant. It's pure brilliance. What gave you that idea? 
Well, when I was in Egypt, I had, I took this little team over, so I thought we'd just do it on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, why, why let it go animal. to waste, eh? <laughs> exactly. Typical, typical animal farm off air talking. We're talking about, like, making video games of you and, you know, all kinds of kung fu renditions of you uh, beating down New World Order. So, once again, folks, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Definitely check it out. Alan, before the break, we, oh, and just, just so you know, if you hear little sounds in the background, that's Pyth. He is our third host. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the format. He, he does all the... Hello? Yeah, he speaks through sounds. There you go. I see. So, yeah, so, Alan, before the break, I, I wanted to ask you, this is the kind of question I ask all guests, so it is kind of a, a cheat by me, but I like to know, you know, when I talk to people, I find some methods are effective in trying to wake them up or at least get them to think about government differently and, and about the role of government, that whole thing. What do you find, given so much, you know, since you have so much knowledge and, and you're so deep when it comes to history with this, uh, what's, where do you start when you talk to someone who is probably not experienced in this field? What do you start with to try to wake them up? If you're really trying to wake someone up, you have to uh, test the waters of that person first, test them, and see if there's even a point in waking them up. Right. Um, that's, good, you, that's a good point. You, you'll know if there's, <laughs> yeah, if, if there's a nature in them uh, where they're animated, you, they might be of use to society. There's no point in teaching someone something if they're going to do nothing with it especially this kind of topic, because it involves not just us, but all those still to come. And uh, you, you have to take your, you know, share your time very carefully with people, because we need people now, today, at this stage of the game, who will come out in front of people and speak openly. There's no point in teaching people who are going to just put it under the bed and sleep on it, and they're afraid to, to even talk about it. So be very, very careful who you start to, to, to discuss it with. And it's, it's so complex today because we've had that, such a mind job done on us. It's, it is called, Huxley talked about the scientific indoctrination of society. Well, we've all, we've all grown up in it. We've all been through the same, what we call, school system of social indoctrination. And we get the same media with the same old faces that they keep hanging in those chairs for 60, 70 years. You grew up with these guys. Uh, because they're more trusting, obviously, because you've grown up watching them at 6 o'clock in your own home every night, and these newscasters. So you realize that you, from school onwards, you've been downloaded daily with propaganda, and that's all that the mainstream media is, is propaganda that, that all works for very rich people who run the world, and they run it like a business. And when you realize that history in the past, the national governments, we were run like businesses, uh, every every country is a corporation. That's what a government is. And they take everybody inside that country uh, as a taxpayer and a producer and consumer, and they, they figure out everyone's worth. But they also borrow money on your head, basically, that you have to pay off for their big enterprises, either at home or abroad. Well, now that these rich men of the world are going for the whole world, and everything revolves around economics, including your right to exist or not. And the, the big boys have written so much lately, especially the professors from universities, on this very topic uh, about the useless eaters. They're getting very bold about it now, and they're banding that term about more often. And uh, they just brought a report out in Britain, in fact, one of the big professors there from a major university and one in the States, uh, talking about the, the, the low IQs of the working-class people they're just so low today, and, uh, and they're really exaggerating the differences between wealthy and poor. And this is all gearing us up to literally um, depopulation agendas 
which are openly talked about now at the United Nations. Yeah, the key word, Alan, I think the key word for me uh, is trust. Like you said previously, it's, you know, from, from day one, you know, we're put into this system, and not that the system is universally bad, and I don't really believe anything is really bad or good, you know, polarization-wise, but, you know, it is. It's school. You, know, you interact with people. You, you learn some things, and, and, of course, you forget some things along the way, but the, the key word is trust, teachers, authority, and, and it is, like you yeah. said, the indoctrination. And on top of it, like, like you also mentioned, it's the mainstream media. You know, every day you come home, you're, you're eating your green beans and your corn and your, with your chicken, and you're watching the same pundits well, over and over again. Well, here's the thing, too, and, and not only is that trust systemic in, in, you know, on television and your teachers, but it's also in your parents, too. You trust your parents to do what's right for you, and your parents trusted their parents, and there's, so there's this almost a very long strain of, of um, you know, social engineering, like you were saying. It's coming down of America that's... <laughs> it certainly is. It's dumbing down the whole world because the same education system is an international education system. And people should go into UNESCO, the United Nations, and UNESCO was set up to, to set out the agendas for every country on the planet to give them the same dumbed-down education to make them compliant, obedient citizens. Uh, and that was their main goal. Uh, of course, that's, that's a different definition of what most people think education is all about. But really, it's just social engineering. And um, as I say, people, most folk are really unconscious. They go through their life in an unconscious state. Uh, they could talk about the things that are on the media. They can talk about Paris Hilton, their latest, latest exploits. But they don't really know anything in any depth that really does matter to themselves or those around them. So people float through their lives, never really thinking. And they'll argue about opinions they've adopted that have been given to them by experts, again, on the media, but they've never thought anything through for themselves. Uh, so, and I think it's probably been the same in most generations. And Huxley and Skinner and others talked about all mammals and how any mammal um, looks to a parent to warn it of what is dangerous to it. If the parent does not know, then that little bear or whatever will walk up to a human and, and get killed, you know. Um, well, it's the same with human beings. We, 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 we hope our parents are aware of what's happening so they can warn us. Well, most are not. They were brainwashed before we were born, and they didn't question things either. They were very obedient servants to, to their, their, their country. They were often to wars that they do nothing about. They got very basic propaganda. That's all they needed. And uh, uh, they didn't know to warn uh, their offspring that this is a, a corrupt, crooked system that's meant to serve a small minority of very, very wealthy families. Sure. No, Alan, I think that not uh, to... not to, right. yeah, Not, not <laughs> to uh, diss out the baby boomer generation, but it seems to me, Alan, again, I'm just, you know, I'm only 26, so I have only really them to blame, but it seems as though uh, the, the generations, the baby boomers and the ones afterwards, so, so many of these parents... Uh, today have no first of all they have no concept of how to parent a child or you know several children to begin with but on top of that obviously so much you know the idea of your country you know taking care of your country being aware that uh, time and time again throughout history governments have done the same thing only in slightly different ways and again it goes back to the idea about trust and uh, acknowledgement see I'm a big I'm a big fan of you know first of all we have to acknowledge what's going on that's why I always ask every guest you know, what's the first thing you say to someone to at least, like you say, uh, get the gauge, get the temperature? Is this person even worth trying or spending time on? A lot of people aren't. 
Um, and I, to me, and maybe you would disagree or agree with this, but every day that a person goes, uh, that a person lives, every day that goes by that they don't uh, understand or they're not told what's, what's kind of going on outside the big scene is another day that the belief system gathers more moss and that belief system gets stronger and it's obviously that much harder to wake someone up. And again, you look at parents, you look at some of the parents out there, they don't either, they don't care or they don't want to know. That's what scares me the most, Alan. Yes, you're right on. We got a, we got a break coming up, Alan. Great stuff. Folks, uh, your phone calls when we get back. 512-646-1984. Alan Watt, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Folks, check it out. He's got a karate suit on. you got to check it out, folks. We shall return with more Alan Watt. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Don't you go dying on me. Yes, welcome back to the Animal Farm on the We The People Radio Network. Number to reach us, folks, 512-646-1984. We're talking with Alan Watt through, uh, from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. So if you want to ask him any questions, feel free to do so. Alan, I have this article right here. And since we were talking about the social engineering that we have in our society and uh, the basic, uh, I guess, personality profiles that were given in our lives. I have this article and it's uh, entitled Texas Corrections Officer Contemplates Murdering Inmates um, and one of the and, and it's just this this uh, corrections officer and he posted on the forum all the stuff that he wanted to do to the to the uh, inmates and one of this was all I think about is taking the first chance I get uh, to blast an inmate inmate's face off with a shotgun. That's and, pleasant. Yeah, and he also says in prison, he says in prison, I will force my will upon the unwilling without so much as a thought for their desires. In prison, a guard is the guy that everyone hates but everybody needs, much like the government. Inmates may hate me, but they will still obey because failure to comply results in assisting them to the ground or applying chemical agents to gain their compliance. Now, what kind of victim of social engineering is this person, and are we all a victim of it in a, in a minor way? It depends. A lot of people are born psychopathic, and I think there's a lot more in society than, than people realize. Uh, the clever ones get to the top. They're generally born into wealthy families. They can go even higher if they're a good, clever psychopath. The bottom ones go into control-type jobs. And um, see, this whole system, especially the militarized system we're living in today, and the police are militarized, completely militarized. They are an army. We should understand yes, that. They, no, they dress like no armies. They have, they have the uniforms with the patches. They have, um, they have the boots to, uh, with the, the pants tucked in. Uh, they've, they've changed the same system worldwide. It's the same uniform. Uh, it's all black. That's the, the color of the executioner. And now they're even putting, um, the cops are putting their kills, they're painting yeah. the numbers of kills on their tanks and, and stuff like this. Um, Alan, I'm so glad you mentioned it. I literally am looking at the story. I was going to mention it before we had you on, but, you know, we were just rushing through so many things. And I was just going to bring it up. It, it's getting to the point now, the, the, the police are so militarized. Not only do they have the gear and the get-ups and the helmets and the blackness everywhere, mm -hmm. uh, but they have this APC, it's the Midland County Sheriff. It's this gray-slash-white-colored uh, APC, which is like, basically like a tank uh, with a couple more wheels. And like you said, they actually have two little figurines painted on the side to represent their kills as, as if you're like a World War II pilot or you know, any pilot in the military to say, yes, we've killed two of the enemies. 
it's getting to the point where, yes, the police are not only trained this way, but uh, they completely think of the population of America as the enemy now. It's no yes, longer to protect, it's not protect yeah. and serve anymore. It's to basically kill and punish. Mm-hmm. And, and what you find in totalitarian systems, uh, and we saw this at the Nuremberg trial, uh, where, where the, the high officers of Germany still uh, praised Hitler as a god, literally as a god. And psychopaths tend to do this in a militarized society. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they despise the weak beneath them. They treat their, their subordinates ter- terribly. They get off in it, actually, because they're, masoc- they're pseudo-masochists. But the ones with more power above them, they actually worship. And that is the system that has been deliberately brought in um, for this particular era. Uh, 25, 30 years ago, they knew they had to change the culture and society to bring in uh, a global system where they would need uh, an internal armies to suppress riots and so on because they knew the kind of changes they were going to bring in society. The New World Order isn't simply a global uh, governmental system. It's a totalitarian system where nothing happens by happenstance. Uh, children, as I say, will be born if, you're, if they're assigned to be born and stuff like that. And they're also going to start cutting down the food distribution of the world um, they want the United Nations eventually to be in sole discharge of all foods to all countries in order to keep the populations of those countries down to a minimum. And if you go over your, your quota, population-wise, you get no more food. That's in the United Nations charters there. So we're looking at... But we're also seeing 30 years of riots predicted by the Department of Defense in Britain. They won't tell you why the riots are coming down for 30 years, but at the same time, anybody with a thinking mind can see for themselves, you are going to see shortage of food. That's planned that way. They want you off the roads. That's why the, gas, the gasoline prices are going through the roof. Not because of the scarcity. It's because they don't want you traveling around. Totalitarian systems never want people traveling around you. They want you confined in your certain areas, your habitat areas. So the, the future they project will be, will be a system where in these habitat areas where you're all crammed in together, um, there'll be tr- public transportation only. That's in the United Nations Agenda 21. Uh, there will be no private transportation at all. You will need permits to travel, etc., etc. So this has all been discussed at the Department of Defense. It's also the same Department of Defense that works for all the NATO countries, and they see nothing but th- escalating 30 years of riots where... They've already decided they might have to use small neutrino bombs to, to control vast riots uh, in the population. If you're just joining us, folks, we're talking with Alan Watt, uh, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Uh, brilliant, straight Alan. It's, you know, it's listening to it. It, you know, it makes a lot of sense. It's terrible. The question, next question I would have for you is, given the technology and how advanced it is today, especially with just within our own government alone, uh, do you think there's a way for us to really take this country back? Do you think that there are enough men and women out there who are going to get fed up enough, quick enough, I should say, uh, in, in the time being, to start really not just protesting, but start really taking action uh, inside of our government, taking back office, and just starting pressuring our government officials? I mean, is there a chance for this country to not fall into uh, the obvious police state slash martial law state that we are heading towards? Is, is, mm-hmm. Do you think we have a chance here? To be honest with you, it's not, and this isn't pessimistic, it's a factual answer as far as I can, as I can see. You have, an, you have two governments on the go. Here's the problem. You, you have the one that you think you vote in, and it's comprised of multimillionaires on all sides, and who both believe that the economy must come first 
everything else comes secondarily. And above them you have what they call the parallel government that Professor Carl Quigley and Margaret Thatcher both talked about. The parallel government is the Council on Foreign Relations in the U.S. and its, its British um, brother, which is the Royal Institute for International Affairs, is comprised at the top of ex-prime ministers, presidents, and so on. And they get the real work done behind the scenes. They don't have to ask for public approval on anything. They're the real movers and shakers, and quickly call them the technocrats. They wield more power than any politician to get things done. You have the big foundations, like the Rockefeller Foundation, funding hundreds and hundreds of non-governmental organizations that pressurize governments to pass certain laws along a certain direction, a pre-planned direction. So we don't really have a government as such. We have a bunch of yes-men who are put in there in the elected governments, uh, and they do what they're told by their own superiors. That That's a fact. Uh, so, George, you know, we, talk, we talk about a lot about fascism and the merger between governmental institutes, institutes mm -hmm. and uh, the government itself. So are you saying that mm -hmm. essentially the New World Order that we're talking about isn't necessarily a fascist state where both of those things are meld together, but the New World Order and the elites that created the New World Order created the government and those? So they, they're basically at the start. They're not, the, the fascism isn't a result of, of, of both of those merging together? Well, all, all systems, all systems always become fascist. Uh, that's just uh, the way that a money system will always take uh, the, the people along a fascist way. And that's a natural point of thing, or is that uh, something that's socially... It, it's an outcome of, of, of uh, a moneyed system. You see, Marxism was very similar to capitalism, if you really look at it. It was simply that the, the all power would be in the hands of the state. If we look at what was called fascism, all power would be in the state. They would be, they would be in charge of all major industry. Uh, technically, the only difference on paper was that communism, uh, would, everything, all factories, etc., would be owned by the state. That was the only little difference there. Today, so it's a matter of dealing with centralization versus decentralization. Absolutely. Uh, centralization okay. was a key point of Marxism, uh, uh, decentralized all laws, rules, standardized across the country and then internationally. And that's what the United Nations does. Most of the laws that you see for the last 30 years on the books, right down to your plumbing codes, comes from the United Nations. And it's wow. passed into law by your own federal government. And so we're already under the, this, this uh, government. And remember, the United Nations is not a democratic body. Nobody in the public arena uh, votes these people in. Absolutely. And yet they're always yeah. screaming about creating democracy. They're non-democratic in, in actuality. So we're under a fascist system right now. Um, we have, we have uh, corporate fascism uh, and corporate welfare. We build up the big corporations through our tax money and bailouts that happen every two or three years. And, uh, and we also give uh, public institutions like motorways away to private ownership. That's fascism. Wow, very fascinating stuff. We're talking to Alan Watt from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. He is our guest here on Animal Farm. Uh, we will be back momentarily. We're going to take your phone calls. Dexter from Kentucky, Frank from Ohio. Stay on the line. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. News, politics, cover-ups, government corruption. You're listening to We the People Radio Network. WTPRN. 
All right, you're listening to The Animal Farm on the We The People radio network. Number to reach us, 512-646-1984. We're speaking with yeah, Alan the Brain cool. Watt, who uh, is uh, just a brilliant guy. That's his wrestler uh, name. Yeah. <laughs> He's a brilliant guy. He knows all about the New World Order, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the history of it, the scope of it, uh, the magnitude of what it is. Um, and we are going to go to your phone calls now. Jeffrey from Kentucky, you are on the air. What's up, Jeffrey? How you doing, sir? Hey, uh... Mr. Watt, um, I've been following you for a while, and I'm under the impression from what I've heard from you speak and from what I've read of yours is that uh, the United States of America, as it was initially created, was just nothing but another arm of this new world or old world order. I mean, if you look at what George Washington was a member of, I mean, he was a order of the Garter and Benjamin Franklin, like you have quoted before, was a uh, talking about a new world order coming soon. So in all technicality, could you basically just say that we were just replaced from an a overt autocracy to a covert autocracy in 1776? Yes, they had. There was um, European meetings before the United States was created uh, because the, the elite were, had so many wars on the go. They, they knew that um, the whole world understood that Britain, France, and other countries were just plunderers. They plundered nations through wars. And they could not come forward and guide a world into a global system. So they created a knight in shining armor with no history, the good guy, the champion of the poor, etc. And that was the United States of America. And uh, it's a new secular order as part of its motto. A, a worldly uh, system, a system run on science and data, etc. That's what you have running this world right now. Yeah. Well, I, I want to ask a question in regards to that, Alan. Um, you know, we talked about how the New World Order is basic centralization of power and the few running the many. Um, you know, but if you look at certain people, not not all people, a lot of federals uh, when the government of America was first founded, but you look at people like Thomas Jefferson that were really for decentralization, that really were for uh, individual states being separate countries, and most of the founding fathers were actually for this, individual states being individual countries, individual yes. towns being uh, countries yeah. within those states, and, and all those being uh, a sovereign, almost your, your the house, idea of sovereignty. Yeah, yeah, your house uh, in itself is almost a sovereign country. I mean, is yes. that is that bad or is that good? I mean, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not well, they, they also said uh, that um, the system that they had created could only stand as long as people were an agricultural society. They knew already, especially Franklin, since he was over in Britain many times, uh, that once industry came in. Uh, that would be his biggest enemy because industry will always destroy uh, small farmers, etc., get people into cities and make you dependent upon the system of a city. And so they knew that, that uh, they were giving the people a choice to an extent, but they also knew that, that progress, as they called it, was inevitable, that big money people would eventually set up the factory system. And, and they were quite right on that. So they knew uh, it, it, would, it would fall and it would change. Uh, I'm sure that many of the Masons involved at that time had different uh, projections or ideas of how this world order would be. Uh, but the bo I think the boys at the top, the really tall one, uh, top boys, really understood the agenda. They've always been elitist at the very, very top of the Freemasonic circle. Yeah. Sure, Jeffrey, thanks for the call. Uh, right back to the phones. Frank in Ohio, you're on the Animal Farm. What's up? Hi, gentlemen. Great show. Thank you, sir. I heard you speaking earlier about the the efficacy of speaking with the ordinary citizens around us 
about the fact that we're losing our constitutional rights and whatnot. Yes. And like, like I'm sure many of your listeners, I've, you know, tried to talk to people here and there about Ron Paul, and I've been met with total indifference. Or at least you're, seen, you're a radical. You're a radical, yeah, Frank. Yeah, I'm a, I must be an extremist. Or, then I point, then I point <laughs> out this guy's been a senator for for what decades without a blemish on his congressman. You know, no scandals, no problems, yep. and, and whatnot. And but what you have, and this is important. It's very important, actually. You see, from World War II onwards, there was a big move to convince the public very quietly to begin with convince the public not to be involved in creating their own destiny and to leave it to the expert society. This is what Bertrand Russell's and other guys who worked with Tavistock and other institutions talked about, the, the, the right to convince the public and using, again, techniques, propaganda, lots of entertainment to distract them, and, and so that the public would leave it to their betters, you might say, those, those special people from special wombs uh, that, are, that are born above them. And that's been very successful. People are socialized. They have become socialized. And they, they, they expect the experts to just deal with every major problem for them so that they can go out and play and be happy and watch TV and all that kind of stuff. Uh, sure. this, was a, this was a planned technique which has been very successful. And you're seeing the outcome today where people simply don't care. Uh, they're, they're, they're perpetual children. Yeah. <laughs> very good point. And I think it... You know, I think basically what you said, at least running through my translator, is the media and the banks are basically running things now, and that's not the way it was set up by the founders. No, no, it wasn't. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's certainly, we're, we're very far from what the founders had in mind. And right or wrong, we're definitely way, way far from that ideology. Uh, Frank, and the other thing, too, that I wanted to say just before uh, I let Alan respond to that, one of the things, I, and I bring this up once in a while, and then, Alan, I'm glad you said what you said before, you know, is it worth it? When you're talking to the average person on the street or your friends or you're at the bar, whatever the case may be, you have to be careful, and, and I'm guilty of this more than probably anybody uh, listening or in this room, is don't, you know, try not to waste time on someone who just doesn't want it. You know, yes. don't, you, you know don't waste your time. And I remember uh, Daryl Bradford Smith, who, who hosts the French Connection, I'm not sure where these days, but he was the one who originally kind of pounded that into my head when I listened to his radio show is, you know, some people just don't want it. So you have to be careful. If you find someone who just doesn't, yeah, exactly. If you find one of those, move on. Don't waste hey, your time. There, are, there are people that point. want to know. Sure, go ahead, Frank. Sure. Go ahead, Frank. Uh, one last quick one, if I could. Um, go ahead. You know, I see that beautiful constitution with the, the calligraphy, we the people on the front of your website and whatnot. And actually, recently I've taken to attempting to read the whole thing myself, even though I've been an English teacher for eight years, I've never read the Constitution. And, one, you know, some of the things we find, and in, in not only reading that document, but the letters of the founders and just knowing the customs of the time is that, you know, the voting privileges, as both you guys know much better than I do, were, were quite limited at the time to, you know, males who owned land. Yep. And I think White even libertarians and... And people such as ourselves tend to shy away from that these days, which which shows that even we ourselves are pretty far from what the founders taught. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll let you go with that. And thank you very much. Yeah, the, the founders. Well, Frank. Yeah, the founders had uh, quite a lot of talks about that. They didn't believe that ordinary people should just have the vote. 
to prove your worth by having it wasn't just land but a certain amount of land there was a minimum requirement uh, to be a voter so they didn't they didn't believe in this kind of true freedom for everyone they didn't have faith in the common person if if he was um, poor and they got that whole idea from the British system they got a lot from the British system and that's how it was in Britain you couldn't vote unless you literally owned uh, quite a bit of property in the 1700s. Well, Alan, there was there were different discussions uh, about that. Um, there was, you know, I, I know there was that famous argument between um, uh, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams about, you know, how much how much faith each of them had in, right. in each uh, in man. And, and Thomas Jefferson had, I guess, apparently a lot of faith in his fellow man, and and uh, John Adams didn't have very much faith in his in his fellow man. So sure. there's that whole there's that whole dynamic to it. Not all of these uh, all these people agreed on everything. But yeah. it's it's very clear that the Constitution itself, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of things wrong with it. I mean, there was a mm-hmm. lot a lot of things wrong with it. Sure. No yeah, question. and the odd thing is too. Yeah, the odd thing is, I mean, you had a lot of intelligent men, a lot of lawyers too, involved in creating that Constitution, and I often and who who are very incredibly well educated, uh, really well educated in various languages too, and histories, and for them to leave big holes as they could drive buses through. Is rather astounding to me because it sure, left so yeah massive holes there. Yeah, right. We're going to jam one more call. Al in South Dakota. We got about a minute left. What's up? Hi. Well, I just want to make a couple points. Uh, great show you guys are having. Appreciate listening to you. Thank uh, you. The first Thanks. point I'd like to make is uh, people have become. If, if anybody has pets out there, uh, you know your pet becomes very uh, dependent upon you to feed it and put it out and clean the Twitter box yep. and. Uh, do all those sorts of things, and some people are very happy with that domestication. Yep. Um, and that's why you said, you know, make sure you pick and choose who you discuss with. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other, um, the other point was, uh, corporations aren't supposed to have rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, those rights are individual, God-given, and God didn't invent the corporation. But uh, somehow we we keep seeming to. Uh, Get slanted in our in our view by education, by the word that people use, and by the uh, schemes that they come up with. Yes, and of course there was, sure. that's true. It was very rich men in the United States that uh, gave the corporations the same rights as individuals, uh, as entities. Yeah. Oh, this is great, Alan. We have to get you back on. Obviously, we're way out of time. This just flew by. Great stuff. Once again, folks, yeah, Alan Watt, yeah, no, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Get on the website, folks. Look at the books. Order some DVDs and books. Uh, great stuff. Alan, once again, thank you for joining us tonight. It's been a true pleasure. Anything else you want to say before we go? Yeah, even though it sounds bleak, I never give in. Uh, this is what it's all about. Some people are happy slaves. Others are not. Uh, just to make your life count, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Amen, brother. Alan the Brain Watt. Thank, Thank you very much for coming on, Alan. We, uh, we appreciate it, and we got to get you back on very soon to uh, talk more about this. Sure, folks. Great stuff. Great calls. For Ben, for Pyeth, I am Tony Pack saying, dissent in your government is American as apple pie. Folks, we'll be back Tuesday with another episode of Laura Lie on Tuesdays from now on. Woo-hoo. AnimalFarmShow.com. Stay tuned.